When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and I'm delighted to say that this morning I'm joined by Francis Leach, a renowned journalist based in Melbourne. Um, Francis, of course, joins us this morning. Uh, he will uh, to discuss the, 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 the huge news um, that emerged over the weekend following the collapse of the talks for Eddie Howe uh, to take over as, as uh, Neil Lennon's permanent successor. Um, over the weekend, the name on everyone's lips emerging as the front runner to become the next Celtic manager is Ange Postacoglu. Well, first of all, Francis, how was my pronunciation? <laughs> how, was my, how was my pronunciation? Can you tell us exactly? Did I get that spot on? <laughs> Very close, Gav. Very close. Ange Postacoglu. Yes, it's a it's a wonderful traditional Greek name, Greek Australian name, and one that's very famous in this country. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Francis, this morning. How are you, anyway? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, unfortunately, for those of us living here in Melbourne, uh, we are back into our fourth lockdown uh, due to the COVID crisis, due to an, another sort of extended outbreak of the disease in this city. We had, I know you guys uh, in Glasgow have been through a very gruelling winter, so we, we, our hearts go out to you as well because we know how tough it was. We went through one last year, 115 days uh, of a hard lockdown. So it's a sort of a bit of scar tissue in, in this city at the moment around having to be uh, back in lockdown again, but uh, such are the times in which we live. Right. Well, first of all, Francis, um, how has the news gone down in Australia um, about Ange being linked with Celtic? What, what is the feeling? Uh, is there any surprise? Or they have, I mean, the thing is, you know, I don't know how much you've been keeping track, but I mean, Eddie Howe, the former Bournemouth manager, looked certain to take over at Celtic. It all changed on Friday. And then very quickly, Ange's name shot to the top. Um, and then there were stories over the weekend that Celtic had actually been tracking him. Um, for some time. How has it gone down there? Are you surprised at all? I'm not surprised because I know Ange personally and I know his level of self-belief and his ambition and I know that his, his goal has always been to manage a big club in Europe and Celtic is a big club in Europe with its wonderful history. I'll put my cards on the table. I have a very soft spot for, for Celtic as well and watch from afar. Uh, so uh, he, he will believe that he's the right person for the job. And those of us that have followed his career here in Australia as closely as I have know that he's up to the job as well. Uh, he, his tenure in charge of the Socceroos wasn't without uh, uh, some some uh, some hard times, but inevitably and ultimately he was incredibly successful with a very modestly talented squad. And uh, they performed with, with great... Uh, Oh, with with great pride, and I think they uh, they they uh, you know their their reputation was enhanced by their performance under Ange in Brazil in 2014. 
uh, in the games they played under his tenure and his his domestic uh, successes uh, are numerous. I mean, his success most recently in Japan in the J-League with Yokohama was, was extraordinary. He took a team that was uh, near the bottom of the J-League and turned them into champions in the space of 12 months uh, in a country with a culture that uh, it, you know takes a little while to learn. Obviously, language, culture and uh, football culture was very different to that of Australia. But uh, his adaptability and his strength of character and commitment to the game and his ability to get players to play for him uh, was born, shone through once again, as it did in Brisbane when he took the Brisbane Raw to multiple titles in, in Australia's A-League as well, as he did as a young manager at South Melbourne in our old National Soccer League. So uh, he gets results and he believes in his own ability to compete with the very best in the world. So, Francis, I mean, you said... Personally, was that from his season at Melbourne Victory, or how did your relationship develop? Well, it was actually before. It was actually before that, uh, Gavin, because he, in between coaching gigs in the early part of uh, the two thousands, he came and joined uh, our our match day uh, commentary team at SEN Radio, where I was calling play by play games in the A League and also. Uh, for Socceroos games as well in World Cup qualifying rounds. So Ange was my uh, was my analyst in those games. So I kind of knew him uh, as a courtesy up to that point, sort of just crossing his path, but got to know him as a football person a lot more, uh, speaking more, uh, more in depth with him uh, on match days and travelling to and from games and whatnot. And I uh, got to understand who he was and, and, and what his ambitions were. Uh, from a very early age, he wanted to be a manager and a coach, uh, uh, even though he was a you know a good player as well. But it was always his drive. Like so many of those successful coaches, whether you know, it's Sir Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger or Jose Mourinho, any number of them are, uh, co- are, are, were players of some uh, at some level, but their real drive was always to be managers and to be coaches. I think Ange always had that about him and uh, I got to understand you know his, his philosophy on what makes a team tick and what football culture is and also his depth and passion and knowledge for the game um, and, and that uh, that he thought deeply about the game and its culture and and what it does for community uh, one of the things that uh, I really sort of was able to draw out of Ange over his tenure as a, a Socceroos coach was his commitment to growing an Australian identity through football, which more widely reflected uh, the cultural diversity in this nation and the attitudes, the wider culture and, and national uh, character that w- went beyond the, the traditional understanding of what Australian sport was about, which might have been, you know, 11 white men in cricket clothes or, you know, playing playing rugby for, for Australia. So, you know, all these things matter to Ange. I think Celtic fans will find that uh, if he is indeed announced as manager, that he will have a very rich understanding of the, the long, uh, storied and important cultural history of the club. Mm-hmm. And he will make that uh, very much a priority to protect, to nurture and to celebrate. And anyone who pulls on that famous shirt will have to understand their responsibility to that if they're going to play for Celtic. And it's something that he will make sure that is central to his understanding of what being a Celtic player is. Mm-hmm. So, I know it's, you know Rangers obviously won the league last season by such a big margin, and I see that he's, he's down as a Liverpool fan. Um, it'd be quite it'd be quite fascinating for him and for you to watch him going up against Steven Gerrard. But you think he won't be phased by the huge challenge that the next Celtic manager faces? Oh, look! I know he'd be, he'd be aware that he'd be under enormous pressure because it's quite clear from from the reaction that there's a lot of discontent from Celtic fans with the Celtic board at the moment and the decisions that they're making. So he will know that he's walking in 
to a situation that uh, there's a lot of tension and dissatisfaction. So he, he'll come with no illusions regarding that. And because he's an Australian coach, uh, unfortunately, there's bound to be some scepticism that Australians don't know anything about football, that, uh, that, that Celtic are hiring a no-name from nowhere, and mm-hmm. that's going to make it even harder for him. That will only fire him further to prove everybody wrong if I know Ange. He'll take to that like a duck to water. That won't phase him at all. But he'll be aware that that makes his life a little harder. But he's not he's not in phase by managing against anyone. I remember being in Brazil uh, and watching Louis van Gaal losing his mind on the touchline in the game that we played, the Dutch in Porto Alegre, and and shouting at Ange, you know, having a go. And Ange just – this is when Australia was playing the Netherlands at the World Cup. You might remember that famous goal that Tim Cale scored, the equaliser, that, yeah, that yeah. volley that he wellied yeah. in from from the left-hand side. And then Australia actually, you know, took it to, to the Dutch. I think we, we briefly went ahead in that game. And they were rattled by Ange and, and, and his, these no-name part-time players. And he, he you know, he, he was up against Bielsa in the game against uh, against – the, the, the Chile, Chileans in the couple of days before, yeah, he's, he's unfazed. He actually enjoys and relishes the opportunity to go up against uh, the very best. In fact, he's, he's gone up against Stevie G before because Gerard was playing in that game when Liverpool came to uh, uh, Melbourne in 2013 or 2014, uh, a very famous visit when they had 90,000 po- uh, people at the MCG. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them are supporting Liverpool, even though Melbourne Victory were the team that they were playing against, and and Ange uh, uh, was the manager of Melbourne Victory on that night as well. So uh, that, that won't phase him. But yes, he, he like all, so many of the generation of uh, of professional footballers in this country at that time that grew up in the sort of late seventies, early eighties. Liverpool was the team of their choice, and uh, he <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he loves Liverpool. But um, he, he first and foremost loves winning, and he, he will take a great pleasure in, in you know standing in the touchline and at Parkhead or Ibrox or wherever it is and playing against Stevie, uh, Stephen Gerrard's team uh, will be just another day at the office for Ange. Yeah, because, I mean, there's so many Australian players have had their say, uh, or sorry, Scottish players uh, who have um, experience of Australian football and Australians who have played in Scotland. Um, we had uh, Ryan McGowan, the former Hearts um, defender this morning, saying, and Craig Moore's had his say, not a yes man, definitely not a yes man, and will do things his own way. Is that right? Very strong world, yeah? Oh, very, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that has, you know, that cuts both ways because sometimes if there is a criticism of Angie, can be fairly headstrong. Right. And even his uh, even his decision to walk away from the Socceroos World Cup campaign in 2018 after he went through the torturous process of qualifying them uh, for the, the World Cup in Russia. And that was a difficult qualification process. Um, I was in Yokohama the night they lost to Japan 2-0, which meant that their chances of qualifying directly from the group stage disappeared. And he was cranky that night and in a way... Um, didn't do, I would say, didn't do himself any favours in the way that he handled the criticism of a team that many of us thought uh, he'd become a little bit conservative uh, on the night and, and sort of lost his bottle a little bit and, and got very cranky with all the media, like most managers tend to do. So he can be a bit headstrong. Um, and that sort of followed through when he went through a, a really torturous repercharge, one of those old fashioned. Uh, you know, playoffs where you had to, we, I think we had to play Honduras in the final two games to get through to the World Cup in a two-legged tie that saw Australia have to travel to Central America, you know, and play in really difficult conditions and uh, and a really hostile crowd. And we've been, we've done that before. Uh, usually it was in Uruguay, but this time it was in Honduras. And they got through and everyone thought, well, he's done it. He's qualified mm-hmm. Australia for their fourth consecutive World Cup. 
he's got time to recharge the squad and you know and, and you know get things ready for another tilt of you know performing with credibility in, in Russia and then within days he'd resigned uh, from the job because he felt like he didn't have the full support of uh, the football community or football Australia in the vision that he wanted for the team, which was always to play aggressive attacking football that represented the true values of Australian football. That you know that, that's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to send a team out there and park the bus. He was going to not die wondering. And uh, the the fact is that there was a a call for him to be more pragmatic in his approach to games like the one in Yokohama. And he simply refused to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his teams are always going to play attacking football and they're going to play entertaining football. These are things that he demands from his teams. And and if people want him to do something other than that, well, he'll walk away. So that's what you're getting. <laughs> it's going to be Andrew's way or he's not going to be there. Yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, I mean, the, the style of football that you're describing there is the is style of football that Celtic fans, you know, appreciate. I mean, that, that's, that's the kind of style that Celtic has always been accustomed to, you know. Yes, you know, absolutely. And that's why, that's why I think it'll, that's why it should be a good fit. It should be a good fit. Yeah, um, and he's a, you know, he's a robust character in the way that he's going to need to be in, in, in the Scottish Premier League. There's no doubt about that. So he'll fit in fine in that regard. So I've got no, I've got no fear uh, about his ability to do that. Um, I know that uh, uh, he's not there to make friends. He won't be there to make friends. He's not there to impress anybody. Um, and I've seen him at times even be really short with some of his team and his squad in that regard. He, he try to maybe maybe take liberties with the manager and think that they're they can uh, that they can <laughs> because they've been in his teams or they they feel like they know him well. He's a very difficult guy to get to know. Um, uh, he he will be he keeps to himself in lots of ways in order for him to be able to make difficult and tough decisions without the emotional burden of having to to deal with people's feelings. It'll all be about the team. It'll all be about the club. It'll all be about winning. Um, and there's a sort of ruthless streak to Ange, which some people find intimidating, um, mm. but that's why he gets results. Yeah. Who would be the most successful Australian managerial export? I mean, um, who, who, have, who have been the Australian managers who have succeeded the most in going abroad? Well, hasn't uh, Gavin? It hasn't been anything that's happened uh, very often in the past. I mean, his his success with Yokohama was the first time that an Australian manager or coach had won a major uh, league title overseas. So, Ange is the guy, really. Um, the only other one I would say is Tony Popovich, who, even though he, he's sort of club managerial uh, situation with a stint in Turkey, it didn't work out well. But he did take a very a new club by the name of the Western Sydney Wanderers to win the Asian Champions League. So in that sense, he took that team all over Asia and won the ACL, which is Asia's equivalent to the European Champions League. So he'd be the only other one. But Ange is the first manager of this stature to coach or manage a team at this level in yeah. Europe. So he's a groundbreaker. Yeah, Kevin Muscat went. He had a very short stint in Belgium, didn't he? He did quite well in Australia and then he tried his luck in Belgium. Yeah, he, he. I think it, like Popovich, these guys are they're good managers, and Kevin's a good manager too, and he did really well with Melbourne Victory. But often they go with a little support, a little understanding, or I think you need a few allies in an environment like the one that Kevin found himself in in Belgium, um, yeah. and things didn't go right uh, initially. So once again, because he's a foreigner, he's from Australia, he was on a very short rope, and uh, he he came home uh, or he was given his marching orders pretty quickly. So um, I don't think that this that will happen with Ange. I think. I think part of the reason why this is maybe taking a little longer is that he's the deal that he's going to do will be one that will make sure that he's given every opportunity or he believes and is convinced that the people in charge will back him and give him enough time to do the job properly. 
Yeah, and in terms of, of because I mean Celtic need a big rebuild with the squad. I mean, I mean, where do you think he would look? Um, I mean, maybe he might not have an extensive list of targets in Europe. Do you think he would dip back into the Australian market, or would he look at players in the Japanese market? Where do you think he would he would go? Are there any players that he's taken everywhere with him, or? You know, no, he's no, not, not at all. I think he'd be uh, he'd be trusting the eyes and ears of, of the Celtic scouts to tell him what's yeah. available. But he's also got an extensive network in Europe, and you've got to remember that uh, our Socceroos managers used to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. watching our overseas players playing in all sorts of leagues, including coming to Scotland to watch the likes of Ryan McGowan that's <laughs> in the SPL uh, to see how they were how they were tracking before being selected for World Cup and Socceroos duties. So he'll have those networks. Those networks are in place for him already all over Europe. Um, he'd be tapping into that. He's been in the game for a very long time. Uh, I doubt that he'd be coming to the uh, uh, the A League to pick uh, any players. He didn't. Uh, there were a couple of players already at Yokohama who were Australian, but that was uh, as a consequence of uh, uh, happenstance rather than Ange's uh, conscious decision to take them. So uh, he'll cast his net very wide, and he'll find the best possible players at the right price. Finally, when you look at CV of all the jobs. What would be the one job that he did that would make you believe more dollars that he could sell to? Is it the national I, team? Is it Brisbane Roar? Is it Melbourne Victory? What, what one? Or is it what he's doing I, now? I, yeah. Look, I think it was what he did with that national team. So I saw those two games, that the last two games that Holger Osijek was in charge of the Socceroos uh, against Brazil and against France, which were two 6-0 hidings. And this team had just qualified for the World Cup, but they run out of ideas completely. And Ange came in with a sense of panic in Australian football that, oh, no, we're going to the World Cup. Our golden generation of players, the likes of Tim Cale and Harry Kuehl and, and the great Mark Leduca, another Celtic legend, um, had, um, had, had run their race. It was over for them. And he thought, well... I will do this differently. I'm not going to look to uh, and build a team around some sort of mythical Mesoanic superstar. I will go and get the best available talent in the Australian A-League and those that have come through the A-League, the ones I know, and I will mould this team into one that can compete at the World Cup. Tim Kale was the only star in that team, but he took a team to Brazil um, of no names, basically. Players who played in the A-League, uh, some who maybe had one or two seasons overseas but really didn't have any reputation uh, other than, you know, other than, you know, in the minor leagues around the world and turned them into a super competitive team that played attacking football that feared nobody, absolutely feared nobody. And they, they didn't win a game at that World Cup, but they they took they, they took the Chile to the line in the first game. They had the Dutch by the throat and, and uh, let a game slip in the second game and, and the Spanish got hold of them and they lost a, a couple of goals to nil in the third game. But they were really competitive for a team of... Part-time and you know footballers really, uh, you know, you know, League Two players really, but they played with verve, attack, with belief, and he moulded that team into a team that could compete on the world stage, and um, that's what he'll do with whatever group of players that he is in charge of. If they don't meet the standards that uh, that that Ange demands of them, they won't last very long. Um, he might neither, but that will be the way it will be. He will not compromise. It will not be. Uh, there will be pragmatism is not in his his kit bag. Um, you'll get a team full of conviction. Now, whether it works out or not, that that's for the god. You know, that's, there's so many other factors in in play there to determine whether he can actually rebuild Celtic into a title winning team in the space of twelve months. But um, you won't die wondering, and you won't be bored. So that's what you want from football, isn't it? 
That's absolutely that's what we want. His media as well. You can see the headlines now, the fallouts with journalists and there. Uh, we'll, we'll so no, at least it's going to be exciting. Uh, it won't be dull, as you have said. So we'll just have to watch this one with interest and we'll look forward to it then if it happens. So Francis, we really appreciate you joining us um, this week on the Record Celtic podcast. Um, and if you want to get in touch to do, um, to talk about anything we've discussed on the podcast, are, are you on Twitter, Francis? Yes, you can find me at St. Frankly, S-A-O-N-T-F-R-A-N-K-L-Y, at St. Frankly. At St. Frankly, brilliant. Well, there you go. Well, thanks again for joining us. And I'm sure uh, a few Celtic fans will be getting in touch if they've got any questions of their own. Really appreciate your time. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon if Ange is in the Parkhead hot seat.